0: Hi and welcome to Real Clear Fetish Talks Real Clear Play, a podcast where we talk about sober life, fetish life, and everything in between. Today my guest is coming all the way from New York, so I'll add him on.
1: Hey Ralph, is it working now?
0: There we go. It's not <laughs> rejecting now.
1: <laughs> no, it's not. let's not reject you.
0: <laughs> of course not, but you just had an old version of Instagram, that was what they're causing the issue.
1: Yeah, I'm terrible. I like never update any of my apps. <laughs> oh, you'll just have to get
0: the boy to update them for you.
1: <laughs> well, he's on his way back, so I'll punish him <laughs> for it later.
0: Fantastic. Well, welcome to uh, the live.
1: Oh, thanks for having me.
0: Uh, as As I told you before, I'll start with four standard questions and then we'll just see where we go from there. Let's go. Fantastic. Uh, do, do, do. like always, I never remember my four standard questions, which I've asked 10,000 times. But what <laughs> do you prefer? What do you prefer? I call you name, pronouns, and title.
1: Um, you can call me Q, you can call me Dark Wolf. Uh, my pronouns are he, him, he, him. Yeah, um, yeah, those. <laughs> Fantastic. What was, the, what was the other one? Uh, title, my title. Uh, I don't really have one. I mean, I'm a wolf. I'm a daddy. Just call me any of the above.
0: Fantastic. Fantastic.
1: Um,
0: tell me just a little bit about yourself.
1: Ooh, uh, there's so, so much to know. So I'm a native New Yorker, uh, born and raised, lived here all my life. I have been sober since August of 2003. So I'm coming up on, an, on another birthday in a couple months. I have been, active in the fetish scene since, like seriously, I I found it in 2003, actually right after I got sober, and then I've been active in it since 2008, was my first Folsom Street East Fair, and then started going to and then working at the Eagle since then.
0: Fantastic. So, yeah. Okay. Um, you've already kind of answered the question, but I'll ask it anyway. Completely sober, clear headed or social drinker?
1: No, I am completely sober, no substances that alters the mind or body in any way, shape or form.
0: Fantastic, fantastic. And what is clear play to you and why is it important?
1: What is clear play to me? I think when I think of clear play, the first thing that comes to mind is is being of a clear head and a clear mind. And the reason why that's important is that I know what's going on around me. I know what my intentions are, and I'm able to be safe both for myself and with the people who are with me.
0: Fantastic. So you mentioned that you're a native New Yorker. It's yep. almost it's almost rare to find someone who's actually from New York.
1: We are a rare animal. Yeah. Well, it's, it's the no. same
0: if you if you find someone who's born and bred here in London, that's also like finding a unicorn in a way. <laughs> so you- so growing up in New York, how was that? i I've, I've only been to New York once in my life and I ruined that trip by using. So I didn't <laughs> see much of it. <laughs>
1: I can actually say the same about London when I, well, back when I was, my first few trips to London, I was completely off my face, but that's another story. What was it growing up, what was it like growing up here? Um, Dangerous. I grew up here in the 70s and 80s when the city was still, like, really, really fucking dangerous, Um, but it's kind of the thing where you don't know what. It's just what you know, so it doesn't seem different until you go to other places or, or or hear or see other people's perspectives of it. So, but what I will say is that it. I'm very lucky to have done it because it has made me. New Yorkers that grow up here, especially in that time, we are incredibly tough, incredibly resilient, um, and also what most people don't realize is it's incredibly easygoing. Because like we just don't really give a fuck about like much, like nothing phases us. So. You know, when it comes to easy does it, we've gotten that in spades. At least I know I do.
0: Well, that's that's a good way of being, I would say. But that, that is that is the impression we get from like there's a lot of fuck you, but fuck you, and then you move on kind of thing.
1: Exactly. That's
0: that's, that's the generalized opinion we have of New Yorkers everywhere else. Exactly. So um, you said you were sober from two thousand three. What brought you to that point where you kind of went, "I've had enough. I need to change something."
1: Honestly, it was not by choice. My story is crazy. Where you know people hit bottom and they find and they find sobriety in some way, shape, or form. I was the kind of alcoholic and addict that I absolutely loved. I loved. It. Everything about it, I loved. I loved the craziness. I loved the mess. I loved the freedom, and I didn't. Not only did I not think that there wasn't anything wrong with my life, I loved. I loved it. So when I did get sober, it was completely by accident. I was actually totally high on like one of those weekends where you know you start the weekend on Friday and it just becomes like this weekend long run, and I was in the middle of it, like late Saturday night into Sunday morning, and I was in like some. Someone's house, like, off my face, and I had a break. I just stopped and I'm looking around, and I was like, You gotta get out of here, you gotta stop, like, right now. And I literally took that brief moment of clarity, left totally high, and it took a day and change to come down. And when I did, I said, I got, I have, I have to go to the rooms of AA, and I went, like, like I was so scared of like myself. I was supposed to go to a beginners meeting and like in the evening, and something said you need to go like right now. If you don't go now, you're never gonna get sober. And that's mm-hmm. that's really how how I know like my addiction is. I just even to this day, you know, I don't have obs- I don't obsess over it and I don't have cravings. But if you were to ask me if I missed it, and if there was a way to go back and do it after almost 19 years of a really fantastic life I would still say yes and that's just like the craziness of being a, a true addict and a true alcoholic that that will always be the right answer in my mind but that's just insanity and I know that it,
0: it's the same for me if 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 I had a way to use responsibly if there is a way of doing that at all I, I would be on it right away I, I'd, I and I have to be honest about that to keep myself
1: accountable but see, Rob, that's the crazy thing about me. Like even to this day, I don't want to use responsibly. Like that just blows the mind. I don't. I don't want that. I want. I want. You the want mask. the mess. Absolutely. Oh my God. Yes. So.
0: I, I. I definitely remember at the end of my using, I have this very romantic notion of, oh, I'll just stop working. I'll become an escort, and I'll just use that money to become high and then the mess of it and it was all very glamorized and fetishized this kind of glamorizing addict just like oh it won't go wrong i'll just keep going and 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 now looking back at it yeah it it can still echo a little bit with me that that whole romantic notion of it but mm, I, i definitely i was definitely turned on by the messiness of it
1: right but i will say this i learned early in sobriety that you understand and accept what the feelings were around it and mm-hmm. not necessarily the facts and i know for me you know the whole thing came down to i wanted i wanted the freedom and i wanted the abandon and i wanted you know the especially the, the sexual freedom that came with it and so what i learned to do in sobriety was find that and that really kind of led me directly into the fetish world, because I was able to find all of that there, and I just mm-hmm. learned how to do it without drugs and alcohol.
0: So you say you you what was it? You started just after you became sober. You started. You you Stuff. went into the fetish scene, and then from there.
1: I found it by accident. Uh, I'll try and make the long story short. But when I had just oh, we have plenty had, of time. Keep we got keep. plenty of time, so. Um, right after I had 90 days, I took a trip to San Francisco, which was crazy. You know how when we're newcomers, we do crazy shit. I took a trip to San Francisco. It was crazy because that's where I first picked up and my drug use, like completely exploded. So you want to talk about like a huge people placing thing, like such a trigger. But I went anyway, um, with good reason, but I went. Um, but I did the smart thing. You know, I found meetings to go to and tried to plug in. I wasn't plugging in and I was sharing about how I wasn't, I wasn't feeling comfortable, I wasn't feeling safe. And this guy came up to me and he said, meet me at this meeting tomorrow. I think you'll like it. Went to the meeting, it was a whole bunch of bears. And old school bears are the best. I mean, bears are all about, old school bears are all about, you know, acceptance, doesn't matter what your size, what you look like, you know, body positivity, having fun. And what ended up happening was I spent the rest of my trip hanging out with these bears. And so I first came into fetish and leather and all of that through the bear community. So that was the start of my journey. When I came back to New York, I found bears here and started going to bear events. And that was like the slow, entre- that was like the opening up of, of, of my fetish world. And, you know, the journey was a long, slow and beautiful one
0: yeah it it's it's it, I would say that yeah as you say mentioned people places and things when you just passed your ninety days just, let's just go where it started um that is, that is a a lot of um recovery people would not have not, probably not have suggested that
1: not at all. I would never let my sponsors do that, but you know again- cr- we do things when we're newscomers that are crazy, but it you know if you do things even with the best attention if you use the tools that you learn which like i said you you go somewhere and you plug in you can always make it through you know and always keeping my prime directive is no matter what no matter what i don't drink and i don't pick up like that's just it's not it's not an option for me and the reason why it's not an option for me is like i said before it's because in my mind that's the right answer so i know that it just has to not be an option.
0: I think my biggest issue, when I went to New York, I went to New York five years ago, and um, I was, this was at the start of, I was still trying to keep clean and, and sober and so on, clear headed. And I was there with friends who were drinking. I got angry because I couldn't drink and then I just went off for 24 hours in New York. So I saw a lot of apartments and saunas whilst I was there. I didn't see much of New York. I saw the, um, the Statue of Liberty from a distance, right. from a very far away distance. So I, I don't necessarily, yeah, I regret not seeing more of New York. I don't, it, I know it was messy and I wasn't stable enough to really being in that environment. Um, I definitely want to come back to New York and reclaim it because it was my first trip. And now it's kind of, it doesn't feel unsafe if I went now. I feel a lot more secure in my sobriety if I did go now, uh, five years on. But at the time, I, there was just a lot of anger around not being able to do what I
1: normally do. I had that experience. The one and only time I tried to quit drinking, it lasted a week. And I had that same experience where I went, to, I went to a bar with friends who were not sober, not smart. But, again, I wasn't in program. I just, I just tried to stop drinking. And I had the same feeling, angry, resentful. I was like, why can't I drink? Maybe I don't have a problem, all that. And, of course, I went. It, it lasted of me being there, I think, maybe a half an hour. And then I was back to the races. And remember thinking that was the dumbest thing you ever tried to do. Like, that's how much I loved drugs and alcohol. And it was the only time only time I ever tried to stop on my own. So how how have you
0: found engaging with fetish life and being sober? I know I have nothing to compare it with it over here because the fetish sober scene here is more or less non-existent. So how have you found found combining your sober life with your fetish life? Because you found fetish after you became sober.
1: Well, I found I found true, I started to find fetish actually when I was, was, when I was high, you know? Mm-hmm. I started to find fetish acts, not, not the life, not the community, but just like, just like the acts. It was um, a
0: part of the using in a way,
1: yeah. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Ab- absolutely, um, which is why when I first got sober, I was like, okay, I definitely want to continue that I know I can't drink and drug, but we're, we'll find a way. And, and and getting back to doing the acts and all of that, you know, took a little time, as it should. You know, everything mm-hmm. should be a slow build. But to your question, we're actually pretty fortunate here in the States where the sober fetish community is really strong. Um, where I first really found it, the combination of the two was at uh, IML. When I went to, they have... A, and at most, at most run weekends, IML has them, um, MAL has them, I think Claw has them as well. But at this point, you know, most most event weekends have, you know, m- m- sober meetings that happen at least once, if not twice a day. So when I first found them, I was like mind blown because now here's a room full of, you know, fetishists in gear, in a meeting. So you're combining both of these things, and so just having that made it. Very, very easy to continue to to you know, just having the example, having that human connection of seeing people doing what either what you've done or what you want to do, it's like all that recovery really is, you know, people that, that know and relate. So having that really kind of made things easy as far as being able to be a sober fetishist.
0: It is it is something I look to the the US scene when it comes to sober and kink. It's it's such a because at least in the recovery scene now, especially around crystal meth and so on, it's so, it's, it's intertwined with sex. So how right. do you approach something that's triggering, but you still wanna explore your fetish? It took me two years to learn, to relearn just to wear leather. And, and I had fetish before drugs, but because it was so intertwined,
1: right.
0: I had to completely just like not, almost not touch it because it was such a problem. So I, I do look at the U.S. scene and get a little bit jealous sometimes because you have such a um, a protective scene, especially when you kind of go, oh, do you know what? I have a problem. Well, then you have at least five or ten people that was like, well, I'll look out for you. We don't right. really have that here in the same way. Right. So it's it's yeah.
1: I think it's something that has to be built slowly. You know, like you said, it took you two years. I don't think there is anyone that can immediately jump back into it. You have to learn to disconnect it and then rebuild that bridge in a very different way just because it can't be built in the same way. Just, there's just no, there's no two ways around it. You have to rethink and rebuild that connection in a completely different way, but it does take time.
0: Yeah, it it's, it, it took me a long time and it was, it was, almost heartbreaking for me not being able to engage with something that I love so much. Um, but it requires patience. And if you really want it, you can get it back. That's the main thing.
1: Get it back. And then the next step after that is, you know, doing exactly what, you know, we do. Be very visible about it. You know, people have to see that that it's being done, that it can be done, what it looks like, what you, what your life looks like, what the things that you're doing in, in the scene look like. You have to be visible visible with it. I think one of the things that's been so successful for me is that I've, I'm so involved in, in, in the scene and I've been so visible. And then what I get a lot of is people not even realizing that I'm sober. And it's been successful in the sense of it's kind of like that, Oh my God, I had no idea. It makes it almost even cooler in a way. Not that not that I that I hide it, you know. I don't it's not what I lead with, but that kind of surprise of oh shit, by the way, he's sober. Oh, that's really cool because I would have never guessed. And I know for a lot of people, you know, still wanting to keep their anonymity is important. So mm. being able to do the two things, it's like I said, that's probably been my greatest success is people finding out after the fact that, hey, there's this guy who's clearly, you know, he works at nightlife, he's doing all the things, but, and he's sober, light bulbs go off. You know, you see, you see the faces light up that this really is possible.
0: Yeah, it, it, it's, I even sometimes, like if I yeah. had to work in that environment, I would probably find it a little bit difficult dipping in and out as, some, as a guest. Is one right. thing but actually working in the in the environment i'm not sure if i could do it um but that's of course it's brilliant that you can and it's also brilliant that you can kind of you can show people this like well it is possible to be in this environment without it being an issue
1: oh absolutely one of the one of the the not so best kept secrets were people a lot of people don't realize this. There are a lot of sober people who work in nightlife. Like a lot of sober people. And it makes sense because obviously that's mm-hmm. from whence we and we're gonna we're going to be drawn back to it in some way, shape, or form. But in every situation where I've worked, there's been at least like three to four of us who are were sober. So, you know, even while working, you had that connection. Then the other thing that was great for me is that then people come out, you know, who are just come out to events, and you see the people that you know from your rooms or from the sober from the sober network, and just being able to look across the room and seeing people, it really, really helps. It it really creates safety. Is the word that I'm looking for. You feel safe in that environment, knowing that there are more than you expected.
0: I think it's it's yeah. Of course, there is quite a few sober people who prefer being an, an, an anonymous when it comes to that and keeping that private. It took me a while before I was open about it, but I've also found after I've been public about it or being so visible about it, it opens a whole new world as well. And also the interactions I have with people is so important because I have people who are in addiction or trying to stop or just don't drink at all or have no addiction issues just choose not to drink but they approach me because i am visible and i try to promote not demonize um uh being sober and clear-headed um and i i do think sometimes it is important having visible people in the, in the scene and this is one of the reasons i started the podcast to to talk to people who Either choose not to drink, or are social drinkers, or are completely sober like yourself. It is yeah. so important for the visu um, having some visibility.
1: Absolutely, you know that saying of attraction, not promotion. You know that's one of the reasons why I I don't quote unquote go up on a soapbox about it because you know the minute I I have found the, the minute you do, that's the first thing that people latch onto and they think that that's all that there is. But when it becomes yeah. just like thing. That just—it's a natural part of you, or people people take to that much easier.
0: It's—it's also—it's. I think it's also. I got to a point where I—I I remember before I did drugs, I was very against it. I was very anti, and I just like, oh, everyone becomes an addict that uses. And do 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 do. Then I started using, and then I became an addict. So it was kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy for me, but. I know that's not the case for everyone. I know right. some people can dip in and out. Um, right. And also, I'm very much a believer also harm reduction. It's so important, especially on the scene. I think it's very important to have uh, medics on scene for parties. Um, if they're going to do it, give them give them the right tools to not hurt themselves. Um, right. And then they might, down the line, realize, you know what, this is not for me anymore. I need to stop. Um, but if we can prevent them from dying first, that's the main thing.
1: That would be nice.
0: <laughs> yes. Um, so you, you organize events in New York, um, just to mention some of the ones you do, Jockstrap Happy Hour, Rough Sex New York, and Kink and Dark Tea. Can you tell me a little bit about those events?
1: Um, I'm only doing one of them now. I'm still only doing, uh, I'm only doing Jockstrap Happy Hour, which oddly enough, of all of them that's the one that's actually a, a fundraiser it's a monthly it's a monthly fundraiser that we do for local uh queer charities um smaller ones that can really use use the help and the money we we raise at least a thousand dollars a month just you know for like a few hours we raise as much money as we can really simple you know guys come out they're in their jock straps you know they drink the door money goes also we really list Listen to music. It's a it's a social event. Also, it's it's earlier in the evening, and the mood is you know it's it's brighter. The m- the music is happier. It's more about like talking and fellowshipping. and we just like I said, raise a ton of money and then just give it away, all of it to to a different charity. Very very Robin Hood, if you will. Um, but it was for me, it was a service commitment that started like six years ago, almost seven years ago now. Um, The other the other big thing that I do is um, I am the president of Folsom Street East. So, you know, a lot of people still don't know that New York actually has their own their own Folsom Festival. Doing now for twenty three years, just just had ours on Sunday. I can't believe that I'm still standing. I'm so exhausted from it. But um, so right now, those those are the two things that that I do and and I'm working on hopefully doing some more events um in the future um what happened to the rest of them was pandemic hit nightlife mm-hmm. completely shut down and you know we've all been coming back from that in in different ways and some things came back and some things didn't but those two came back in and thankfully both of them are service positions you know uh fulsome we're a volunteer or a completely volunteer run organization so that definitely fits in with my ethos of being of service.
0: Yeah, the pandemic hit New York quite hard. We saw it from over here. It was it was almost Back. well like, apocalyptic in a way. It was like most of the footage we saw from the States were from New York.
1: And it was I can tell you right now, because I, I live in Midtown um, Times Square is a hop, skip and a jump away from me. It was exac- it was not an over exaggeration. It looked like the zombie apocalypse. no cars on the street, nothing open, things boarded up and you know this really is a city that doesn't sleep in to see that was depressing to say the least
0: it It must have been hard coming back to like trying to get these events up and running again and still keeping the community going um,
1: absolutely. what what
0: did you under the pandemic was there anything going on like events wise like online I know we did a lot of online events stuff like that there was
1: there were a lot of online events um but I specifically did not do any because at the heart of of what I do it's about bringing people together and I'm Mm -hmm. definitely of a different generation and I'm I am what's I'm old guard quote unquote (laughs) to use that hated term in that fetish was about bringing people together like mm. physically you know and so online while that was great to, to I guess to kind of keep people connected for mm. me I didn't want to re- try and recreate my events online because it's just not what people it's not what it's about you know the synergy that happens when you are physically in a room with other people of a like mind it just cannot be recreated on online or in a virtual space so I didn't do I didn't do any of those. In fact, I was resistant to even go to online meetings for a while. But then I had to like get over my, get over that because staying sober. I
0: did I'll some online after. meetings, and I found because all of a sudden it was almost a global community. We had a lot of um, guys from the US come in, and it was quite mind blowing. Especially we had some more sex friendly meetings. Um, because a lot of our meetings here in, in London are not that sex friendly and you kind of have to leave it at the door and not talk about it because it's so intertwined with the using. Um, so it, it was very refreshing for me. Um, I don't do meetings anymore. But if, if I do go to the States, I want to go to the meetings that has all the men in it. Because that, that, that would be such an experience for me. And, and also... I, sometimes I find the attitudes are a little bit different in, in, in the states than here uh, when it comes to recovery and a little bit more um, whatever works for you. Where here it's more a little bit more rigid.
1: Um, that is, you're not you're not wrong. It, it, it is very there are a million and one ways to get sober as long as as long as that's what you're doing and as long as you're staying safe. Then that's all that truly matters.
0: It's 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 I think that was some of the the frustration was I I very much got a sense constantly just like, well, I'm doing it wrong if I don't do it this way. And now that I've gotten to a point in my recovery where I feel comfortable. I can kind of like, well, if I need a meeting, they'll be there. Um, And and that's okay. And I don't need to. um, As long as I'm happy and I feel safe in my recovery, that's the main thing. I do so much outside um, the rooms, so I I, I feel like I keep myself accountable, I work on myself constantly, and that's really the main thing, is just to work on yourself, and that can look a lot of different ways.
1: I think what people forget is that, you know, the tools, those are black and white, you know, Mm. how you use them, on the other hand, that's where you... In color. That is completely up to you. So it's like you said, meetings are a yes. How many did you go to? If you go to them, that's completely up to you. Completely negotiable. Flexibility is key when it comes to getting and staying sober. You can't, you know, rigidity is just, it's almost the death knell. I, a lot of people actually relapse because they're afraid of getting it wrong, not doing it right. It's, it's, one of the biggest fallacies that I've seen over the years
0: so you say you organize Folsom Street fair. How does that do do does Folsom street fair in in New York do they wait I think gay and sober is also in New York, isn't
1: it? uh yes, they're here
0: uh, do you work with them uh, for for the fair as well to kind of have some visibility there or
1: not in the past that they have we we have reorganized the fair in that, you know, having someone lead the organization who is, I mean, my life in fetish is full time. It's not something mm-hmm. that I do. You know, And, you know, I, I, like, I have a full-time boy. My, you know, my business is, and a large part of my career is fetish. So this really is my life. So I'm very, I'm very, very serious about fetish. So when it came to doing, you know, coming back and doing this year's fair, we scaled it back to strictly, almost strictly, a fetish event where I mean, the people who were involved with it. We didn't have a lot of vendors this year. Um, what went on at the fair was strictly fetish, so we actually did not have community groups like like sober groups and other ones because we wanted just an event that was closer to closer in feel to what I what I went to experience at Folsom in Berlin. Where it's it's just it's just fetish you know it's about that and so now that's what that's where we are that's where we're going to that's the direction that we're going to continue to go in now that's just for for you know the week in itself that's not to say that throughout the year other events that we do won't can't be you know wider community based especially since as a philanthropic organization the money that we raise goes to various, you know, queer groups in 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 the in the area. But for that that for that particular day in that event, it's just about sex sexuality.
0: It's, it's I was about to ask, so what type of Folsom is it? Is it more like San Francisco or more like Berlin? Because they're very. very I've been to San Francisco, which is much more. I would say a day out and a lot of flogging and a lot of naked people. Uh, And it's not as much full on gear as you would see in Berlin, where Berlin is just total coverage the whole day. You might even have a costume change at one point or another. People (laughs) get told off for having sex in the street because we're not really allowed to do that. Um, It's it's much more fetish and and, yeah.
1: It is a combination of both. Um, it's you know it's more it's more fetish in its intention. You know June is hot here, so you can't you can't really wear full gear. No. So there were there were guys guys there who were in full gear. You did see a lot more gear. You saw a lot more rubber. Um, you saw a lot more 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 pups, um, but we are not as. I don't know if you remember in san francisco you know there's like a lot of like food trucks and it's it's yeah. very like festival yeah we don't do that um our identity is it's new york is famous especially when we we're growing up for having block parties so it's just like one it's one big street party Um uh, un- unlike san francisco and new york we actually we put up gates like six foot high Fencing like all around so we enclose the area, so it really is an actual space of our own. So that's different from that's different from both events as well. And just you know, it being out on the street all the way down in the village, there's a, a more of a grittiness grittiness to it that's um, that's also very New York. So it's a combination of the two. Definitely, definitely more fetishy like like Berlin, um, but it's still you know that that outdoor you know that outdoor sunshiny feel like san francisco but not as common it's a, it's a nice uh
0: middle ground if you could say
1: it's it's a definite it's a definite middle ground because we also we can't have you know public nudity and sex are not allowed uh, are not allowed like san francisco can have it but we're mm. not as strict about it as as uh berlin
0: yeah well um Berlin had to move around because all of a sudden the balsam the Berlin landed on a school holiday and all of us is like, oh shit, the families are going to be out. Maybe not this weekend. Might be a bad idea. Also because there's a school down the road and it's all sorts of problems. Um, but in general, the Berliners are quite relaxed um, when it comes to stuff.
1: I know, I love it. I love Berlin.
0: Oh, I need to go back. But I haven't been back since pandemic, really. I just like money over here is well almost non-existent so doing stuff is very limiting at the moment so you you said you're the president of Folsom um Big east which is amazing how do you find um being a person of color on the fetish scene i know i think person of color in america's fetish scene is more represented than the European scene? Or what's your impression of that?
1: By, by far, you know, the fetish scene here is far more diverse in terms of ethnicity, in terms of gender, in terms of sexuality, um, than it is that I've found over in, in both London and in both Berlin. Those are the two areas where I've, you know, I've been out as a fetishist. Um, the same the same racial dynamics that happen you know just generally socially still occur within the fetter scene maybe a little bit less because you know the openness of our sexuality and the bond of being out you know being outsiders eases that somewhat but it doesn't do it doesn't do it complete it doesn't do it completely you know for myself my own my my own personal experience this is where you know going back to being in new York or where you just don't give a fuck you do what you, you do what you have to do and you show up how you have to, and you don't really care about what's going on that has really helped me in the sense that while I'm aware of things and I know what the issues are I do not allow myself to be limited by it you know that whole argument of you know I'm not I'm not the guy that wants a seat at the table I'm the guy that shows up and if there isn't a seat at the table I'm like, all right, well fuck you. I'll just make my own table and sit at the head of it and invite the people that I want to be at it at it. So I'm definitely I'm definitely the one of the one of the two. And it doesn't either one doesn't phase me. So for that I've had a positive experience. I know that's not easy for everyone to do, but that's that's what it's been for me. And also important to show it's why I don't belong to any 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 clubs of any sort. Um I'm definitely a lone wolf in that you know i don't believe in 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 being a joiner so that people can see that there's there's a there's a way for you to make your own way and it's 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 important and it's possible for you to do things your way and show up in the way that you want to and not be held back by anything so if that answers the question
0: well yeah it's 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 it's, it's interesting <laughs> because um of course, I'm very aware that I'm a cisgender white male talking on a podcast, and we see a lot of right. those. Uh, right. So I try to ask questions about this because it's important to talk about, especially as a European, where fetishine is very white. Um, so it's it's interesting for me to look at different countries and how they approach stuff. And um, when it comes to POC matters, and, and, and it's right. such a well it's it should have been a hot topic for a long time but it became a hot topic during the uh, during lockdown because of black lives matter and and all those things that came up so it's it's so important when we talk about it i think europe and the fetish here we are trying to come after it now i think we're getting better we're also getting better at trans issues gender representation body positivity all of those things we're trying to mix it up instead of having this stereotypically white, six-packed, jock-strapped, harness guy, which is nice to look at, but it shouldn't be in every picture.
1: No, and also that's, you know, for me personally, uh, you know, I don't you know, like representation is important. So for me, like the images that I use, I only use myself as a model so that people, I'm not, I'm not replicating that, that stereotype of, of what people think you know, bodies and fetishes should look like. And also just so that anyone coming across my feed who m- maybe looks like me, you know, either in shape or in skin tone or what have you, or just anyone who is different themselves says, oh, there's someone who's different. I can do this too. That's mm. extremely important to me.
0: Now, for anyone watching, go and look at his Twitter. There's some very nice pictures on there. <laughs> <laughs> I have been
1: lurking. well well thank you i i definitely appreciate that i'm also a big i don't use photoshop i'm one i'm too old i actually don't know how to use photoshop but that's all (laughs) people can you know seeing people as they are Mm -hmm. really allows for other people really allows for someone to say yes i can do this and i know this from my own experience you know if i didn't if i didn't if I didn't come on the scene and see other guys that didn't look the same, you know, outside of just my own internal, my own internal compass of, I don't need outside validation. I don't need someone to tell me, yeah, you can do this or not. But it still helps when you can look across the room and say, oh, that one, that one, that one, they don't look, they don't look, okay, I'm on the right path, you know, I can do this.
0: Yeah, it's, it's, I'm very aware of that the way I look is very much the, the leather clone look, kinda of from the eighties with the meerkat, a little bit of mustache. So I'm very well well represented. So it's it's I don't I I don't have that, but it's definitely when it comes to sober stuff, it's mm-hmm. it's so nice to when I meet other gut fetish guys who are sober, then all of a sudden I feel a bit seen, but I I, I don't need to feel seen because I'm represented everywhere. So it's it's nice to hear from you where you kind of is like, yeah, do you know what, I don't necessarily need it, but it is nice to just see someone who either dresses similar or same skin tone and it's so important.
1: You know, the other thing that's important yeah. because to your point, you know, we can't help the way that we look. You, ha- you have no. a classic and that's, you know, that's not gonna change. But actually what, what is important is that when we're out on the scene, who we also associate with. So for yeah. example, if I'm only associating with people that look like me, then other people are going to think, well, that's all that he's about, and it, it's mm-hmm. it's definitely the same for you know for cisgendered white guys. When I see sister, when I see like the class, the the classic quote unquote look, but then he's hanging out with pups or he's you know talking to you know other body shapes and and, and what have you, people see that and it's actually a super important example to make because. It just it really I can't tell you how it opens it up again. It also makes things possible for other people who, who don't look like that. It makes them feel safe.
0: We we definitely have groups of levermen here where you look at them, then you look at your friends and it's like, well, you're friends with yourself. You, exactly. you don't you don't you don't have a variety of of, of people in your exactly. life. They're literally a clone of yourself. Where, where's, where's the challenge? Where, where's the new knowledge?
1: Where's exactly. the
0: other lived experience you can get from other people who don't necessarily look like you?
1: Exactly.
0: So I do have to ask. I, <laughs> ask what, me anything. What, uh, the teeth. My fangs? Your fangs. Yes. That is terrifying, but also a bit of a turn off.
1: People, people love the fangs. I, I actually, I have top like really, my really long like wolf fangs, and I didn't put them in because I was like, maybe that might be too, might be too much for today. But, but yes, yeah, so I, I, I'm a wolf. I, I have my fangs. I got to have them in. It's, it, it is part of my gear. They do come off, but yes, it's, it's the one piece of gear I will, I will almost always have on no matter what.
0: What, what, what do you like? When you have the fangs in and you kind of have this wolf persona where did that, that come from is, is that just where if you kind of feel like some people are naturally pups and some people are naturally dogs and stuff like that where, right. where do you think that comes from
1: again it started with the bear community when i first started hanging around them and you know i thought that i was a chaser because i don't physically look like a bear i'm also not you know incredibly inc- i'm hairier now but i wasn't hairy. And it wasn't until someone said to me, "You're actually a wolf," I was like, "Really?" I was like, "Why?" They're I mean, like, "Your mannerisms, you're you're definitely sexual and more aggressive as as a wolf." I was like, "Oh, okay." And as it didn't quite gel in the beginning, and then as I got older, I also realized the actual qualities and characteristics of an actual wolf. You know, I'm I'm definitely someone who takes care of the pack, who protects and is viciously protective of, of people in it. Um, I would like to think that then I'm a leader. I care very much about keeping things safe and just, you know, aggressive when I want to be nurturing, nurturing when I, when, when I want to be all of those things. And, and I'm definitely predatory. I'm just, I'm, I'm such a predator. <laughs> I, I laugh at myself and I'm, I'm such a fucking hunter. I really am. So I, I
0: have I have friends. My ex was like that. You can't almost see the fin
1: come up and just dun, dun 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 dun. Oh yeah, the way my boy tells me, he's like, you should. You don't even realize how you're like scanning the room and like just hunting. So. It's 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 a pers- It's it's a lot of the personality traits, you know, all the characteristics of a wolf that I that I found just are personally within me. Not you know just throughout my daily life, not just you know on on the scene. So that's that's where the wolf comes in.
0: Where, where's the? Of course, when I hear Q, I think Star Trek. Uh, uh-huh. Where 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 does the where does Q come from?
1: It's my mother's nickname for me, because my okay. first name's my first name starts with Q and. She was the one who called me for years started called me Q. And then when I started working professionally, Q was just a better was was it just kinda stuck. So that's that's the key.
0: It's 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 great. It's just like well, most people on the Fighter team will call me Rocco because that used to be my pop name, but now it's just kind of been this is what people call me, um, if they know me as, at a certain extent, um, mm-hmm. or depending on the situation, they either call me sir or cunt. <laughs> oh. <Wow. laughs> so we're getting to the end of the episode. Um, is there any like advice you would give to someone who is either starting out on the scene or starting out on their sober, sober journey you would have wished you would have known in the start of your journey?
1: i honestly was very lucky with both in that i automatic i automatically found people who were you know both living the sober life that i wanted to live and you know being in the scene in the way in which i wanted to be and so i found i found people and i found guidance very very early but the advice that I can give, which I think is important, is to for both in, in in both in both arenas is taking the time to find out what is true to you and not being afraid of that either. And why I say that is, you know, so often we we subscribe to what people, to what we think we should be doing, you know, how we should be sober, you know, what types of what types of fetishes we should be into what type of how we should look and gear up that's not always true for people so finding what works for you finding what feels right and then again not being afraid to say well this is what i like and this is what i'm going to do is extremely important and then taking the time really being patient with yourself not trying to rush into anything trying to do too much too fast is building that building relationships building your sobriety building it is is important you know taking that time is because that's when it's strong and it lasts
0: yeah it's 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 so important just to find out what what works for you and what feels real for you i think a lot of people especially when you come onto the fetish scene you see people in i'm not I'm 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 not definitely the stereotype. I have langlets, but I didn't have langlets for a long, long, long time, and it doesn't necessarily have to be that. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's 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 just finding what what type of gear you feel comfortable in. You don't have to look like everyone else. You don't have to have the certain brands. There is definitely brand snobs on the scene, um, yep. But it, it's just important that you feel comfortable in your skin and what your journey is. So I definitely agree with you on that.
1: Absolutely, and I can give you a quick example. Like for me, I'm a leather man. I love, I love wearing leather. I love how it feels. And I love how it looks. The irony is that it's not a turn on. Like seeing a guy in leather does not turn me on. I don't have sex in leather. It's, I don't find it, I don't find it hot. So, and most people would say, well, that's just crazy. Like if you're a leather man, you're supposed to, you're supposed to find leather men hot. You're, you're supposed to have sex in leather, but that's not true for me. So that's just an, a small example of what I mean by. Finding out what's good for you, being comfortable with it, and then and then going from there. Yeah, it's, just do it.
0: It's interesting. It's, it's, I hadn't really thought of that. that. That it's it's a really great point because I I get off on lever. Any man in any type of lever, I I mm-hmm. instantly horny. Um, so, it, but of course, lever doesn't always have to be a sexual thing. It it's also very much a social thing, and mm-hmm. and a feel when you have it on. Um,
1: exactly.
0: I've had friends tell me as soon as I put gear on, my body posture changes. My Absolutely. my mannerism changes.
1: Absolutely changes. Oh yeah, it's exactly that. Like I I love how I feel it, in leather. It just heightens everything. Me in like skin tight leather, I'm I'm at my apex of, of, of what I want to be. But when, when I you know when I meet someone and when I when I, when I hook up and we go to cop off. That shit comes off, I can't fucking leather. Not the leather I wear, it's just way too tight.
0: I, I, I've, as much as I love my langlets, it's fucking horrible to have sex in. It it's is! It's just too heavy. The trousers, because it's really thick leather, you can't really get them off and get your cock off and you're scared of getting caught mm-hmm. in the sip because langlet sips are fucking dangerous. Um, so it, yeah, langlet is not really made for sex. It's made to look good. And you it's can walk around crazy. looking at like a leather couch. Uh, so, uh, if anyone's if anyone's watched this and found some of the stuff you said helpful, or they're really curious or interested in some of your events and so on, where can they get a hold of you?
1: Uh, right here, um, I post pretty much everything that I that I do either on Instagram uh, or on Facebook, and all of my handles are the same. Uh, at Dark Wolf, um, I was Twitter is is more for I went. I don't necessarily post my events on Twitter, but Twitter's like if you if you want to see what I'm up to like sexually because fucking Facebook and Instagram are a problem. Like you can't show any sexual expression anymore. Yeah. All of that. If you want to know what type of sexual creature I am, follow me on Twitter. If you want to know what I'm doing, <laughs> follow me on Facebook or, or Instagram.
0: Fantastic. Fantastic. Thank you very much for coming on. It's been absolutely a pleasure to talk to you.
1: It has been my pleasure as well. I could talk about this like a million for a million years because both of those things, both sobriety and, and fetish equally have just completely enriched and, and exploded my life. I wouldn't, have the, I wouldn't have the life that I have today without either one of those equally.
0: And when boy Nick comes home, give him a slap from
1: me. I will, uh, he actually messaged while, sent a message. I think his plane just touched down while we were chatting. So I will do that. I will see him very shortly.
0: Fantastic. Well, thank you very much for coming on.
1: Absolutely, Ralph. Take care. And hopefully I will be back in London and see you again soon.
0: Fantastic. That would be great.
1: All right, man. Take care. Okay. Bye. Bye.
0: So that was Dark Q Wolf. Uh, it was absolutely a pleasure to have him on. It was, interesting to talk about fetish and sober life and new york so uh i'll be back next month with another guest so keep safe get out in the sun as, it's, as long as it's there have that and um keep it kinky and keep it sober bye